1: New Year. Sorry we missed. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas for you all. Uh, this is Jason Allatid at the Topeka Capital Journal and chilling in the State House. I'm here with Jack harville also of the Capital Journal, and John Hanna of the Associated Press. And my sincerest apologies for depriving you of your state politics
0: fix for about a month. Yes, yes. We just we just got into a situation where between our holidays and having to finish stories, we just we didn't have time to podcast. Yeah, and I did, however, go to the Evil Knievel Museum um, while I was off. My my daughter arrived from Chicago, and she always wanted to see it. And you know, um, it's and I apologize in advance to the Evil Knievel folks because I thought, oh yeah, the Evil Knievel Museum. This is going to be so bad and stupid. It's going to be fun, and it's actually really a good museum. It's it's pretty fascinating. Uh, this this cultural minor cultural figure from the seventies. And just all the stuff that went on around him. And so, if anybody within earshot has a chance to go to the Evil Knievel Museum before it relocates to Las Vegas, you need to do it because it. We spent four hours there, and it was just a ton of fun.
2: So, my house is just a, a short walk from the Evil Knievel Museum. Um- and I've been planning on going, but is there any Topeka connection at
0: all? Well, my recollection is is that when Evil Knievel was a teenager, he saw a stunt driver, I think the last name was Chitwood, uh, Joey Chitwood, from this area, from Topeka, and he came through where uh, Knievel was living in Butte, Montana, and uh, Evil Knievel was inspired and started doing <laughs> Uh, at one point, he had a motorcycle dealership, and he started doing small stunts and parades. His first real one was like in, I think, 1967, and he jumped over a mountain lion and a box of rattlesnakes, but he landed wrong and hit the back of the box and and broke it open and sent the rattlesnakes into the crowd. So, uh, all kinds of fascinating stuff like that. The,
1: the real question is, the is your house a short enough walk from the museum that you could do a motorcycle jump
2: from yeah. one to the other. <laughs>
0: That's true. Yeah, 19, and... Nineteen cars all in
2: a row. But where would I get the rattlesnakes to put between my house and the museum? That's the real
0: question. I, I'm sure there are some in western Kansas.
1: Uh, well, uh, there... Sorry,
0: I took us <laughs> off
1: track. <laughs> uh, so, so just a quick recap on a couple things from sure. December. Before Speaking of disasters, in. let's <laughs> talk about the license plates. Yeah. Yeah, well, so the last time we were on, I believe we talked about the new license plate. That was no longer the new license plate. And we finally have a new new license
0: plate. The one with the Capitol Dome, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but no motorcycle jumping over No motorcycle jumping over the dome.
1: Um, Uh, And uh, also in December, I had a few stories on... Uh, Attorney General Chris Kobach using a private email for work purposes, and you had you you got your hands on some interesting emails as well. There were some interesting emails in there, uh, and I mean, I think the most surprising thing was actually the relative affordability of the Quora request. Uh, it was nearly a thousand pages. Uh, required an attorney redacting stuff because I mean it, some of it did deal with legal matters, and I have had other core requests like one that just came in this month f- that were fewer pages, uh, less sensitive material, but only slightly less of a cost. Yes,
0: uh, one of one of the one of the uh, scams allowed under the. Uh, Open Records Act, and let's call it what it is, it's a scam, Um, allows agencies to charge uh, for uh, workers' time as if they're not already being paid, and this isn't a part of their job. Um, And sometimes you can get in a position where you ask for stuff, and you get a bill that's hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And what that tells you, of course, is that they really don't want to turn anything over. And you can read more about that at cjonline.com.
1: Not to dwell too much on stuff from December, because we could go on and on about all the stories we wrote that month. But uh, one thing that did happen uh, that pertains to the session that starts Monday. Monday! Monday! The governor, for the sixth time, is going to try to act Medicaid expansion. And Jack, you went up to Holton, uh, you got a photo of the governor in front of a Christmas tree right. at the hospital while promoting Medicaid expansion. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, how that all went down?
2: Yeah. So uh, it was in Holton because I, I think the governor really wanted to tout that this is something that uh, some rural hospitals are really interested in. Um, it's a small community hospital. Um, Partially funded by local mill levies. Um, and so I think that was part of the emphasis in that. And the plan, um, it is kind of receptive to what um, have been complaints about it in the past. Um, there's the,
0: uh, I'm blanking right now, work
2: requirement. Work requirement is the biggest
0: one, but. Well, the kind of work requirement. And we can kind of yeah, go over okay. the details. It's a mild work requirement.
2: Yeah. There's uh, there's broad enough exemptions that...
0: If you're a student, for example, or you're a caregiver, you wouldn't...
2: The broadest one is uh, if you're deemed to have experienced hardship. Um, and I forget who the authorizing agency is there. I think it's the secretary of...
0: Um, K- wouldn't it be it, KDHE? I believe yeah. so. Yeah, well, and and the other thing is, even if you fall under the work requirement, you just have to verify that you are working once a year when your eligibility for Medicaid comes up. And that's much different than what Republicans have discussed, you know, like monthly checks or something like that. And the governor, when I talked to her about it, she said she doesn't think it will ensnare very many people. and. And she believes it's mild enough that it might even pass muster with the Biden administration, which has shown no intention of allowing work requirements. I mean,
1: p- part of the reason that this might be a relatively weak work requirement is because if it were tougher, it would yeah. be basically a non-starter yeah, for yeah. federal approval.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and because Medicaid is funded jointly by states and the federal government, the federal government has to sign off on your Medicaid plan. And so this expansion plan would go up to federal officials for a look-see. And um, under the Trump administration, of course, it started allowing work requirements much tougher than this. And then the Biden administration, when he got in in 2021, Rescinded all those uh, approvals, and then you know made it clear that it so far it hasn't approved any, and and that was one reason Republican legislators were a kind of dismissive of this this plan. Um,
1: but I mean, there's not really any plan that they wouldn't be dismissive of when it comes to Medicaid expansion. Well, and, is and there
0: n- really not? I mean, the 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 fact is. Um, The opposition they have, they will give you lots of policy reasons, but the opposition to this is really, really rooted in a a couple of core Republican beliefs over the last 50 years. One of them is just a suspicion about the value of long-term social service programs. When I say long-term, people being in them long-term. There's a, a general attitude or concern that you can foster dependency on government if you allow people to remain on social services for a long time. And that's coupled with uh, kind of this uh, suspicion of government as an entity of collective action. And, you know, I, I guess it can be best summed up by Ronald Reagan's dictum that government isn't the solution, it's the problem. That has pervaded, you know, the idea that the the better government is the smaller government.
2: And I, I just want to jump in. Uh, you said legislators, uh, but would it be more accurate to say leadership? I know, Kelly yeah,
0: actually, it, it it would be. That's, that's an excellent point, Jack, because the people we're talking about are very specifically uh, the top leaders, the Senate president, the House speaker, the chairs of the health committees. Uh, obviously, they have some support from a good, solid support from conservatives. It's possible we haven't had any really good votes maybe since 2017. Uh, when there was an attempt to override a Bra- Governor Sam Brownback's veto of a bill, um, it's it's possible that there's actually majority support in both chambers. Um, although the, you know that's tough to gauge, the legislature has gotten more conservative, and so, but you know the, these the folks in the key positions that you know, keep the trains running in effect and determine what goes where in terms of how legislation moves, they're all opposed to it. And Jack, when you and I spoke with the governor, I mean, she seemed to
1: somewhat acknowledge the political realities. I mean, she, she's still hopeful that something could happen this year. Mm-hmm. But she said, uh, basically, if it doesn't pass, she thinks it'll be the number one issue on voters' minds this fall. And that comes as she has a new political action committee mm-hmm. that she might be able to throw some weight around behind. Yeah. The, uh, the, who- the,
0: the, clear, the clear point she's making is that, I mean, she intends for it to be the top issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, she has a mechanism for doing that. It's clear that she's going to keep talking about it and she's going to work with other groups, hospitals, business groups, whomever, to keep the issue out there as a campaign issue.
1: But not everybody thinks it would be a successful campaign issue.
0: Yeah, well,
2: it's. I was talking with uh, political scientist Bob Beattie earlier today, and the places he mentioned where this would resonate with voters are places where Republicans are vulnerable. He mentioned Johnson County, um, which is probably the, the – premier battleground in the state, um, would you say? I, I'm i still the new guy, so I'm still learning. Yeah, but
0: no, actually, if in terms of a place that's competitive, yes, Johnson County would be probably the best. There might be a few areas in Wichita that would be competitive. Um, Johnson County is competitive in a way that, say, most of Kansas City, Kansas isn't, because, of course, that's a Democratic stronghold. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Johnson County is a good place to look and and the issue is once you get outside of Johnson County and you start talking about rural areas, um, you have to think about how legislative districts were drawn and the the fact is is that they were pretty much drawn to allow Republicans to have right around this two thirds majority
2: and
1: the two thirds majority is interesting. I mean, the, the governor told us that, and Democrats tell us that the goal this November is to break the Republican super majorities. And it'll, I, I'm curious to see if that changes any of the political strategy this spring on if I, last year we had a lot of controversial bills come up and Republicans, uh, were successful on several of them at overriding the vetoes and others they were not as successful. Some some only off by a couple votes. Uh, and I wonder how much they will want to protect vulnerable legislators such as those in Johnson County uh, from taking votes that would hurt them in the general election versus how much they want to continue pushing the same issues, which they tell us they want to push the same issues. Yeah. And that really energize the base.
0: Well, and, and that is the problem for a Republican. Um, you know, the base is, is pretty conservative and pretty MAGA. And so if you, you try to preserve your, yourself for the general election, you can run afoul and be accused of being a rhino, a Republican in name only, an establishment Republican, whatever. Um, Which is less popular these days And so you can get You can get a primary challenge And get out of office You know, it just depends where You know As a practical matter You know, you get west of U.S. Highway 81 Right down the center of the state You get west of that And anybody who has the Republican brand Is probably going to win the general election
1: And i mean, thinking of Primaries and MAGA, and it, I could see a situation where, should Medicaid expansion ever get a vote, somebody who is a moderate or relatively moderate Republican would then get tabbed as voting for Obamacare. Exactly.
0: Well, and, and that's, you know, the interesting thing polling has kind of showed that if you Call it Obamacare, more people oppose it than if you call it by its formal title, the Affordable Care Act, and, you know, the importance of marketing, I suppose. Um, And so... Yeah, it's. In, there's no real sense that that Ty Masterson or the Senate President or Dan Hawkins, the House Speaker, have really moved that much. So if you're going to try to, in a practical sense, get a bill through, you're going to have to run those guys over, and that that just takes a higher threshold of voting, and you have to get even a few moderately conservative Republicans to go to to basically go against their leadership.
1: And there is no indication that Medicaid expansion could be part of a deal for a flat tax, also known as a single rate income, income tax, tax yeah. or that it could be used as a deal to get some form of school choice, such as vouchers or education savings accounts or tax credits. Uh, and it really feels like the top, two issues going into session, politically speaking, are Medicaid expansion. The governor spent her fall going statewide uh, campaigning for Medicaid expansion. And Republicans, uh, Senate President Ty Masterson and House Speaker Dan Hawkins, they did their own statewide campaign promoting tax cuts. And the, the cornerstone of their proposal would be that single rate income tax.
0: Well, and what's interesting is the governor was pretty clearly and deliberately aping another Democratic governor, Roy Cooper in North Carolina, who has also a very Republican legislature. And that state just did a Medicaid expansion plan. The, The expanded coverage started December the 1st, similar coalition building hospitals, um Business people, even uh, people Roy Cooper called law and order Republican sheriffs who were basically tired of dealing with people who needed health care and more than they needed handcuffs, so very very interesting um very interesting timing there, yeah, and the tax the tax cuts the interesting thing is the Republicans are probably just very quickly going to send the governor a bill that will look like, look like, or very much like the bill they passed last year that she vetoed. And then they will try to dig in and get the two thirds majorities to override her. And from the people I've talked to, it sounds like they're going to have an even harder time
1: this year, getting a super majority to override than they did last year. And, uh, it, I mean, it, it seems like they'll have time to try to come to a compromise, but the issue, in my mind, is that the tax bills get bundled. There, There's usually one or two bundles uh, with a dozen or two... Policies and putting one controversial item in there can mean that all of them fail well, and if all of them fail, we'll have legislators going into an election year when we have a very large budget surplus and they're going to be asking voters to send them back to Topeka even though they couldn't enact tax relief. With a huge well,
0: and plus. and that that is a good point. And the reason they do the bundling is they throw in things that they think Kelly actually might like or has even talked about, and tie it to the things she absolutely detests, and and you know hope that she'll feel moved to sign the whole thing reluctantly. I and, mean, as House Minority Leader Vic Miller said,
1: he he, he called them poison pills.
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's that's part of it. And you wonder if there's some thought of taking some things out. I mean, it, I don't, I don't get the sense from the the governor or her people that there is any amount of sugar that you can add to that spoonful of flat tax medicine that she will swallow.
1: And. Jack, we went to the Kansas chamber agenda, uh, unveiling and, uh, I, I got the sense from them, uh, and I'm sure it's a sense from other groups that have tax cuts that they want that the, like some of these pieces are not controversial and they'd be beneficial to certain groups, and they weren't able to get them last year because they got tied to controversial. Well, the stuff people. I
0: mean, if you think about it, the people who really got messed over last year were the were these um, pregnancy counseling centers, the anti-abortion pregnancy uh, post-birth counseling centers. You know, there was this this tax credit worth up to ten million dollars for their donors, and it got bundled in – it got put into one of these big bundles, and, and, <laughs> and it blew up. The, and the more controversial piece of that
1: bundle than anti-abortion politics, which is already very controversial, exactly. was a tax break designed to benefit Genesis Health Clubs. Yes. Which, as we reported last spring, has had difficulties paying its own uh, property taxes on time.
0: Yes. Hmm. Yes. And so all of that got stewed together. And and of course, not only does it make it difficult to I mean, the governor obviously vetoed it. But when you have a big mix, that can make it a little harder to override a veto, because, of course, you know, Democrats are more inclined uh, to stick with their governor. And thinking of the theme of
1: legislation that was tried last year and failed last year and is going to be tried again this year and will seemingly fail again this year. Uh, Jack, what what have you heard on the uh, school choice proposals?
2: Well, uh, I spoke with uh, House Majority Leader Dan Hawkins today. House Speaker, sorry. Oh, House Speaker, sorry. Um, Was House Majority Leader. (laughs) Um, But he just didn't believe that they had the votes to... Get a supermajority, so he said it's not a big priority for them this year. He is in favor of more school choice, but uh, he just doesn't think it's feasible feasible in this session. So we're we're bound to see some attempts there, um, and likely to see some failures.
1: Uh, and that's also well, similar that's, to what Senate President Ty Masterson that's, said. But, that's so no,
0: interesting because the. The chair of the committee that handles the school funding, Christy Williams, a Republican from Augusta, is – how would you put it? A pretty ardent supporter of school choice initiatives. It is hard to imagine that she would not at least make a run at a somewhat ambitious choice plan. The the impression that I have
1: from both Hawkins and Masterson is they will – have a bill, they'll run the bill, but they are not necessarily going to be whipping votes as hard uh, because they both seem resigned to the fact that the governor's not going to sign it and they are nowhere close to having super majorities on that.
0: well, and they they tend to lose some rural Republicans when they run those plans because of course there's some skepticism amongst those rural republicans about whether there would be enough choices developing out in their in their next of the wood and there's also an attitude of well you know you know we don't have that liberal whatever words you'd want to use if you were a conservative that liberal woke stuff in our schools you may have it in you know johnson county or topeka but we don't have it out where i live and you know, everybody is, you know, pretty happy with the schools. I don't know if all of the residents in a and and places would say that, but there's a perception that there's more public support because the schools are more conservative, run or at least run more conservatively. And I mean, there would be
1: tons of education issues that could potentially come up this session. Uh, special education funding. It seems like there's uh, a push to increase SPED funding this year. Today, Friday, uh, a snowy day in Topeka, the very last weekday of interim, the Special Education Task Force finally met, and they narrowly approved recommending increased funding. And education funding on its own is always
0: a well, and, big and issue yeah, because and the, it's
1: such a big piece of the budget.
0: Yeah, and so those issues are out there. Of course, there are the the so called parental rights issues. You know, making it easier for parents to challenge materials they object to, books, classroom lessons, etc. Um, you know, who knows whether we'll see something that deals with what what's taught about history or human sexuality. In the classroom, um, now there is a there the the latest. What was the latest thing I saw? It had it, about um, there's there's another thing that's gotten a cons- some conservative parents worried, and and I'm blanking on it. It's a social emotional learning thing that's also mm-hmm. been out there, resiliency or something like that. Uh. uh- I'm sure that, we'll I, I, see it somewhere.
1: When it comes to the education budget, I'm also curious to see how it goes with splitting it off because in the past it was a open question of whether the governor could line item veto and this spring she used the line item veto on it and
0: Republicans didn't take her to court over it. Uh, well, and the attorney general is now Chris Kobach. Well, what he took... No, he was attorney general Mm -hmm. last year. So they, I guess, I guess he advised them that it wouldn't be worth doing. Um, but maybe if she vetoes something else this year, they, they may find cause. Uh, Thinking of budgets, uh, I mean the governor, uh,
1: budget season is her favorite time of the year. You can read about, uh, that story I had last month. Uh, is she, does she, does she
0: put it? up like little spreadsheets on the Christmas tree or something?
1: Well, well, she described it as being locked in a room with spreadsheets, and apparently that is a positive. So if you like, yeah, being it's kind of my definition of hell, but yeah. it's a
0: it's a positive for yeah.
1: her. Uh, but I mean, education funding would be in the budget, Medicaid expansion would be in the budget. Uh, but Jack, you you talked with her some about water issues, and it sounds like uh we have the money and the governor has the political uh the political capital to use
2: that's uh that's what she said and um you know water gets complicated really quickly um so yeah i do think um her proposal for um a, a more streamlined less duplicative process for dealing with water rights would be helpful, but there's there's a lot more that goes into it. Um, oh yeah, the um what what people keep touting is local enhanced management areas where communities come together, set goals, and work towards them, uh, without feeling like they're the only ones doing it. Um, and that's that's seen some success. I believe they've some have been able to reduce water uses by thirty percent while maintaining productivity. There's also uh, exploration of different crops that are less water intensive,
1: and uh, Western Kansas does need to be taking action because of its groundwater levels.
0: Sure, there's actually you you mentioned some of the, the there's a district in Northwest Kansas that has had um, a lot of success in in getting people to reduce their water use, and and yeah, some of this is some of this is going to be getting farmers to. You know, adapt new technology, irrigation technology, go to new crops, um, you know, maybe different cycles. So, you know, this is where it helps to have that wonderful ag college at K-State because they're going to be on the, you know, vanguard of a lot of this research. Well, thinking of K-State and budgets, I'm
1: curious to see uh, if the governor and legislature will want to freeze tuition again. Uh, they did not last year but they had previous years and we should know more Thursday when the budget gets presented sure and
0: and you know obviously that is occurring in this larger national context of conservatives being up in arms with you know right now the more elite universities the more perceived as elite universities off you know the ivies and all of the discussion about The war in Gaza and pro-Palestinian protests and wokeness and all of that stuff.
1: I haven't seen any Kansas University leaders under fire for that, but I have seen K-State's president under fire because of the basketball player situation. Uh, Yeah, that is interesting, uh, isn't it? But – But on the topic of sports, both of our bowl bowl teams won. Yeah, well, all three of ours. But I'll I'll forget about Mizzou. Uh,
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I you know, any university president can probably get over any problems by just getting Taylor Swift to campus. But
2: but they'll never recover if uh, if a sports team. Joins a cause, uh, yeah. As I learned in college, with uh, you may remember, concerned student, nineteen fifty at Mizzou. Was, uh,
0: I do. That, was that. Was that kind of attendant to the the whole? That was the Black Lives Matter era. Uh,
2: it wasn't the. I black, mean, that it was it, the before group that had,
0: it was before that. Okay, yeah. was that out of Ferguson then? I think it was near. It was
2: near the time of Ferguson. Let me think back on it, that would have been... It was, I think, in 2017 when this Yeah, happened. so that
0: was only a couple of years after Ferguson, and you'd had a couple more incidents. So, yeah, I remember that. The football team basically said it wasn't going to play without right. some kind of action. and There was a
2: hunger strike going on on the quad, and yeah, it uh, was going to be ongoing until the football team <laughs> said they wouldn't play, in that 24 hours, it was over. Yeah, The, the president resigned.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, there could be lots more issues that we could talk about, but one that I do want to talk about is something that is happening the same week as the first week of session, uh, and that's the transgender case that, John, you and I have been covering.
0: Yes, this is I, – I you know, this is this is the case that deals with the law that was formerly known as Senate Bill 180. Uh, That is, it was – a lot of the discussion was about the bathroom part of that law, keeping transgender women out of women's restrooms and locker rooms. But, in fact, its main effect has been to essentially legally – legally it just has ended recognition of transgender identities. So – and and that's manifested itself in the state – not allowing transgender people to change their driver's licenses so that the listing for sex matches their gender identities. I, Jason, I, I found myself getting tangled up in my brain in all this, but it actually came about because the attorney general sued the administration to stop it from doing that. And they... Almost immediately, got a temporary injunction. This a, a temporary restraining order, temporary which restrains- you get without having to uh,
1: right give the other side a chance. To God, God the forbid
0: argument. we butcher the legal term yeah. here, but a
1: yeah, temporary injunction is what is going to be argued. about It doesn't about this seem leak. so
0: temporary because the the movement toward the hearing next week, three days of hearings, uh, slowed down when. Uh, Transgender folks got were allowed to intervene and other machinations in the case, but essentially this is for a preliminary injunction. the The attorney general is seeking it, which would then remain in effect until a trial. In a practical effect sense, though, this is this three days is actually probably going to end up being like the trial. Yeah, you
1: know, there's a pre hearing on Tuesday, then first real day of the hearing is Wednesday, which is also the day of the state of the state, which is also the day of the state of the judiciary, which will be interesting because of the uh, cyber attack. And then Thursday is the last day of the hearing, unless they need to go into Friday. And And then Thursday is also the day we get the budget presentation. Yes, and
0: then obviously we will see how quickly the judge, Teresa Watson, of Shawnee County rules and then once she rules, there will be an appeal. It doesn't. I mean, it 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 very likely does not matter at all what she rules. Somebody will appeal it. But but the hearing is important because it will establish the
1: facts that will right. be used on appeal. And there has been a lot of work put in, or seemingly, uh, we we can't actually see the court records because of the uh, ongoing effects. Uh, but. There seems to have been a lot of work going on to establish a good set of facts.
0: Right. This forward. is – this is the the district court is where you establish the record, the facts. The appeals court is where then you hash over the legal issues. Did the judge abuse his or her discretion? Has the law been interpreted care, uh, correctly? Is the law itself constitutional? Mm-hmm. All those issues are on appeal, but you have to have those – you, you have to know – you have to have facts and evidence, and that's where the district court comes in. And I, since
1: we're on the topic of transgender rights, uh, this was one of b- two bills that was barely overridden last year when the governor vetoed it mm-hmm. uh, to go along with the ban on transgender athletes in girls' and women's sports. But there was a third bill that uh, – they were not able to override the veto of and that, that could come gender, up again this that, year
0: yeah that's almost certainly going to come up uh, a ban on on gender affirming care for minors and a number of states I memory serves 20 or so have enacted those those kind of bans including I, Missouri and Nebraska and mm-hmm. a cer- certainly Oklahoma um,
1: Uh, So there will be a lot for us to follow this session. Uh, If you want to follow it along with us, you can find our, well, Jack's and my work at cjonline.com. And occasionally, John, your work shows up in the Capital Journal. Uh, I am on X at Jason underscore Alatid. Jack, how can people find what you write?
2: Uh, I am also on X. Uh, It's my name, Jack Harvel. H-A-R-V-E-L.
0: And I'm on uh, X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh, boy, I missed that blue bird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at APJD Hannah, um, and then I I I'm at www.apnews.com backslash author backslash John hyphen Hannah H A H-A-N-N-A. N N A, and John is J-O-H-N, by the way.
1: Uh-huh. And, John, you got in the Taylor Swift reference. Of course. uh, For a Disney reference, I'll just mention ESPN Plus and the fun that I had watching the bowl games and watching the Pop-Tart get eaten.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I – you know, I – over Thanksgiving, I think I mentioned that my nieces are big Taylor Swift fans and – uh, I've read some commentary in the New York Times about Taylor Swift and and obviously the romance uh, with Travis Kelsey proceeds apace. Well,
1: And last month, the governor, it came out that she has a friendship bracelet uh, friendship she got while in Germany for a trade mission that just so happened to coincide with the Chiefs game in Frankfurt. Uh, it, it says reputation. Uh, and her staff has since made her a playlist it's on a cd instead of on like spotify
0: or something uh, <laughs> that is so old school <laughs> do they, can you even buy cds anymore i i i don't know that you can i don't know i mean i, I listened to dolly player. parton's rock and roll album on spotify so you know all uh,
1: worth a listen we'll, by we'll, the way we'll, we'll have to uh See if the governor now has a favorite Taylor Swift song or not. I, I have a suspicion that the man might be uh, high ranking for her.
0: I know it was on the playlist. Okay, well, you will, you will. Oh my, uh, I, you know, back this would have been seven years ago uh, when Kanye before Kanye West became the more controversial figure than he he wasn't that controversy. We, uh, we did some uh, Facebook uh, X videos about music, rap, etc. cetera. Uh, we called them Kanye moments. Uh, now we need maybe Taylor Swift moments, you know, where pe- we got people to opine on their favorite Taylor Swift songs and uh, discourse on modern American music. Well, you can be the one to propose the
1: resolution in honor of Taylor Swift. Well, I'll let legislators handle
0: that <laughs> if they want to.
1: You'll, you'll, you'll just uh, enjoy the... Did, did you whoa, whoa, to the your... lawmaker
0: that doesn't sign <laughs> on. <laughs> you'll, you'll, did, did you
1: end up framing the uh, proposed amendment to make you the state land I muscle? do.
0: It's framed and on the wall in my office. You know, and now I have a great photo from my trip to, to Hannah, Oklahoma, which is in northeast Oklahoma, uh, a billboard, uh, a big sign for the Apostolic Church of Hannah That just amuses mm-hmm. me to no end. There is a Hawkins, Texas, by the way. I should have mentioned that to the House Speaker. Home of the Salt Hawks.
1: Well, thank you for joining us. Monday starts the session uh, Jack's first session. Yay. Hope you're ready. Uh, if not <laughs> too bad, sorry. <laughs> too bad.
0: It's here. Whether you're ready for it or
1: not. <laughs> uh, well, happy new year. Happy new session.